Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. weekly special preview the new season is upon us already and it's certainly not been a quiet build-up to 2021 so far equal pay the fa announced the lionesses have been paid the same as england's men since january champions chelsea are community shield winners and make a record signing she may do it all on her own Hunter goes on wonderful solo goal from the skipper with big names arriving in the league, could this season's FAWSL be the biggest ever? As long as it continues to bring in the best players, the league will just grow. And that's that's the most important thing. And that is what's happening year on year. All that, plus we'll be dissecting the rest of the goings-on in the world of women's football on National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. you all i hope you've missed us too uh, a new season is upon us how on earth has that come around it seems incredibly quick now then to discuss this i love actually seeing faces rather than having to hear you down the line or see you on zoom uh, claire rafferty <laughs> i've missed you Faye. i've missed you oh i know i was just about to give you a full title then oh, don't as if people <laughs> don't know who you are former west ham chelsea and england defender of course uh, what have you been up to um working still so i've been working throughout uh, not exercising as i was just uh, saying um, on a holiday, actually. Snuck in from Greece before they're potentially going to be put on lockdown. So. Well done, you. Can you not tell from a tan? Yes, I can. Okay, I, I was it's just going to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Molly Hudson, a sports writer from The Times, have been avoiding you, have we not, Molly? Well, yes, we're pretty jealous of the holiday, I think. But um, at the same time, super excited that we've had so much football to cover. More importantly, now that women's football is back, because we really missed that over that period. Yeah, everybody's missed it. Um, but we've all been busy because, of course, Claire still works in football at Chelsea. And we'll be talking to her about what's going on in terms of sponsorship and, and everything else at the moment. Because it really does feel like there's a bit of a change going on in women's football. Which is why I want to start off with the news uh, today that the Lionesses have been receiving equal pay on par with England's men since January. 
Now, this is something that we've just been discussing outside. So this has come um, after Brazil announced an um, equal pay for their women and their men's teams. And then I think what's happened is that somebody's then contacted the FA and said, why doesn't this happen in England? And the FA's response, Molly Hudson, was... Oh, wait, it does. <laughs> well, if it does, why on earth have we not had a massive PR statement? It's strange, isn't it? It's really strange. We're talk- we're in September. That's it makes me months. think how much do the, do the men get paid in the first place? Because uh, it, yes, it's a statement, isn't it, to go? You know, we're, we're paying our England players the same. It is a strange one. Maybe because there's been so much going on. (laughs) So England and Brazil basically are part of a select few nations who pay their male and female players equally. Australia, Norway and New Zealand um, as well. This is really important though. I mean, on Women's Football Weekly last season, we spoke a lot about the pay dispute that that USA women have with their federation. Um, Is this as big as it sounds, Molly, or should this be happening anyway? I think it's a difficult one because... It's sort of both of those things. I think it is a really important statement and naturally everyone is so excited about it, reading about it. But then at the same time, you have to also recognise that, as Claire will know from playing in tournaments, a lot of kind of the money that you will earn as a footballer is from tournament bonuses and things that are also centrally funded by FIFA and UEFA. And those governing bodies still have massively different budgets for the men's and the women's game. So it's a really positive step that the the players are able to to earn equal pay in terms of their matches for England. Mm. But then when it comes to the tournaments, I think there is still a very long way to go in that disparity. Yeah, but you can kind of understand each federation kind of has to look after their own yeah. um, uh, stuff, don't they? And then everything else will kind of change with it. So the FA is saying that they've been paid equally in terms of match fees and match bonuses um, since, since January. What, what was your initial thought when you saw this, Claire? My initial thought was there must be a reason why we didn't shout about it or the FA didn't shout about it. Potentially is underwhelming because as Molly uh, you know, rightly articulated there. It is about the bonuses you get from tournaments and that is kind of funded through FIFA and uh, UEFA. So I think it's obviously it's a, it's a fantastic step, uh, one that we should have already known about and actually one that we shouldn't be talking about because it should have already happened. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, we talk a lot in women's football about the fact that the FA and clubs really need to come out and shout more about what they do. It seems like we have to go and find the information out. And when it's good news, why on earth would you not want to shout about it? Now, listen, there's been so much good news around women's football leading into the new season. It certainly feels as if there's been this kind of step change. And then when you look at the huge names coming to the FAWSL this season, it certainly feels as if this season could be uh, the biggest ever So let's just go through some of the big transfer news. Today, it's been announced that England's Rachel Daly has signed on loan for West Ham until the end of December from Houston Dash. Uh, By the way, West Ham manager Matt Beard is on with us on on Monday, so we can talk to him directly about that on Women's Football Weekly. How much of a coup is this, Molly Hudson? A really, really big coup because we saw how how well she's played in the US and for England. And I think the, the thing about Rachel Daly is she's such a good player she's got that international experience which matt said you just simply couldn't turn down but also she has that positional flexibility which is so important in a club over a season yes you might only be here for a couple of months but you, you never know what sort of injuries you can get and and i think that's what makes rachel daly so good is that she excels in all of those positions she doesn't she doesn't have a weak position we see her for england as a fullback and then we see her for houston dash as a forward you know 
being amazing, being like one one of the best players in the tournament and, and, and won that won that accolade. So I think it's just a really positive step for West Ham in terms of making sure that these sort of names don't just go to those top three, four clubs. Yeah, we will discuss that throughout the show as well because that's a really crucial point. It's I know it's becoming all about money, but we need to keep making this league competitive, you know, for the for the fans and and for the global the global game as well. Um but from a Rachel Daly perspective, Claire, um why would she want to do this? Do you think she's got a bit of FOMO? Oh, I would. The amount of players who are coming over, I think we're, we're obviously benefiting, aren't we, from the situation that's been going on. Rachel Daly is incredibly versatile. I think she actually fits in um, with the DNA of what Matt Beard likes in a player, very vocal, a leader. I think she will be really, really great for the team, someone who's got a lot more experience and, you know, is, is not afraid to get stuck in. And I know Matt likes, you know, a bit of a physical uh, player. And I, I think she probably has got a bit of FOMO. They haven't played for a while. I think she doesn't want to miss out on that form. You know, there's the Olympics coming up. But it's about actual personal investment. And she has obviously realised if she doesn't come and play in WSL, she's missing out. Why West Ham? Why not? Um, I think, you know what? I went to West Ham because of Matt Beard, his personality, what he installs in the team. So I, I would assume that that is the same reason for her. Mm. Now, your club, Chelsea, announced the record signing thought to be around £300,000 of Denmark and Wolfsburg forward Penilla Harder this week. That was massive news as far as I was concerned. What's she going to bring? Yeah, it was rumoured for a while, wasn't it? I think uh, I know that Emma's always had a eye on her to bring her into the club, so it's been a long-term um, goal. She'll bring, you know, I can't, I, I'm so excited about watching this team. I don't know who's going to even play. Can you just, just imagine her playing with G, you know, be, being able to release Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr? I just, Beth England. I mean, be, to be able to play with all them players, I know that she has an aim herself to win the Champions League. I know they, they missed out against Lyon. And I, I'm, Emma's brought her in to, to bring the team to the next step. So she comes with a lot of expectation and pressure, but she's going to bring a lot more kind of attacking press. And, and I'm sure she'll be the one who's allowed to be released and uh, uh, bring a few goals from that position. Emma Hayes, Chelsea manager, certainly means business, Molly, doesn't she? I mean, we're, we're at that point now where, as Claire said, who's going to play, who's going to start? But it does seem to me as if she's got her eye well on the Champions League at the moment, which is why she's improving the squad depth. Definitely, and I think, you know, as Claire said, that you, you list all of those players and then that's not even mentioning someone like Erin Cuthbert, who who arguably... The who's, last time, I think is... Oh, she's, yeah, sorry. She's, she's such phenomenal. a great player. People always almost forget about her, don't they? She's like a super sub yeah. as well. She always comes on as a sub, always scores, always does, as she did Fantastic in the Community player, Shield. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, arguably, the the last time Chelsea were in the Champions League, she were Chelsea's best player. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's important to have that squad depth, even though it feels on paper like there's so many attacking players. We've seen how difficult it is to do well in the WSL and do well in the Champions League. Most times the team that's done well in the WSL hasn't been in European competition. And that's going to be Arsenal this season. And we're going to talk about the runners and riders uh, coming up shortly as well. Uh, with the likes of World Cup winners Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle joining Manchester City as well, there certainly does seem as if there's a bit of a buzz going around the WSL. I think the quality and the standard is going to raise every year and there's a big influx this year which is great for grassroots as well because hopefully there'll be more teams available for especially in the championship if the WSL's growing the championship's got to grow and the league's coming behind those there's just going to be a better quality in all the leagues. It's one of the, the best leagues in the world at the moment and um, I think you know football when you think of football and you think of a footballing country um, for me England comes to mind and, and the, the passion that the country um, has for the game and so 
and, and so many big clubs over here as well. You can see some huge signings are moving into the league from kind of abroad and those sort of things are just going to grow the game. They can only grow the game really. Each team is getting stronger year on year I think and actually as long as it continues to bring in the best players the league will just grow and that's that's the most important thing and that is what's happening year on year. That was Brighton's Aileen Whelan, Alana Kennedy from Spurs and Birmingham defender, uh, lastly, Harriet Scott that you heard from there. Um, which signings excite you most, Claire Rafferty? Oh, I don't know where to start. I think for me, actually, I'm quite excited to see Lucy Bronze coming back into the league, which has is yet that, to be confirmed. Listen, not confirmed <laughs> yet. <to> be confirmed. <laughs> um, I, I think, obviously, Penel Harder, fantastic. You know, the influx of these American and NWSL players, Mewis, Lavelle, like I just can't actually wait to to get started with it. I think, I know we're going to touch it later, but the commercially, the kind of the way the WSL is going, for me, that excites me even more because the the amount of engagement the WSL is going to get Hopefully we can uh, start bringing in some money from the brands. Yeah, and we're also going to talk about that broadcast <laughs> deal at around half past five as well, which is another massive statement uh, from the FA. And certainly we're getting a lot of attention over here in the in the UK about the league. Uh, Molly Hudson, any gone under the radar perhaps that we haven't spoken about? Because a, a lot of the clubs actually, despite what we were saying a moment ago, have actually made a big deal about it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, sort of picking up on what, what Claire just said there, I think for me, Rose Lavelle, I, I came away from the 2019 World Cup and just thought, wow, what an incredible player that America have got there. And it was one of those where you felt as though she would be out of reach for the WSL because those players just played in the NWSL. It's just how it was. And I, I don't think it can be overstated enough how incredible it is that they've they've come over to the WSL, even if it's just for one season, we must, must capitalise on that. Next up, though, we're going to hear more from the stars of this season's FAWSL and find out who the runners and riders will be. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faker Rothers, former Chelsea, West Ham and England defender Claire Rafferty and Molly Hudson from The Times. So, who's going to be right up there this season competing? Uh, now, we saw the Community Shield on Saturday. We were talking earlier on about the strides that um, women's football is making and certainly having a double header at Wembley. 12 years after the last community, Women's Community Shield, was a big statement as it was. But we're talking about who's likely to win the FAWSL this season. What did we learn from Chelsea's 2-0 win over Manchester City, Molly? For me, I think we learned, as Claire said in part one, the incredible attacking depth of Chelsea. I mean, Sam Kerr just could not score. You'll, you'll <laughs> rarely see a player play so well positionally and get into such good areas, which I think has probably been forgotten, and then not be able to score. And Chelsea scary, still won. <laughs> and that is what I found scary, that they they got in so easily, they still won. Yes, maybe Jill Scott's red card was, was a big part in that, but that is what I think would be worrying if I was part of the teams that were sat at home watching that. As would your centre-back coming on and uh, and scoring an absolute screamer. Oh, you know what, I remember in training she used to hit them all the time. I'd be like, oh, Millie, stop it. You keep going, you know, left, right, centre, over the bar. Um, but, you know, she's always encouraged to do that and... You know, it paid off, didn't it? What a, what a goal that was. Well, Sam Kerr, Sam Kerr couldn't score, but Millie Bright certainly <laughs> well, that's could. Well, that's a great team, isn't it? You can't rely on, you know, one or two players to score your goals. It could be coming from anywhere. Tough for Manchester City because obviously, you know, they lost the title in inverted commas um, in, in 
unforeseen, unprecedented is the word we keep using, uh, circumstances. Uh, Manchester City captain Steph Horton actually said losing the title last season on a points per game basis has spurred them on this season. It's hard to take when you lose a league by point not one of a, whatever it might be, a point or whatever it is. But um, no, I think for us, we had to take that. And um, for us as teammates and as a club, it's it's probably has given us more motivation and a more determined outlook to kind of, right, okay, Man City need to be winning these trophies. And obviously the new managers come in, it's allowed the squad to be even more competitive to try and get a place on the team sheet and it's been intense in training so for us the aim is to try and compete in as many trophies as we possibly can. Bearing in mind that was um, Manchester City captain Steph Horton there by the way talking to Talk Sport. Bearing in mind everybody seems to just be talking about it being between Chelsea and Manchester City because of the battle between them last season. Is that quite unfair to other teams? I'm not just mentioning Arsenal here, but everybody's getting competitive. But Arsenal in particular, what worked in Chelsea's favour last season is that they weren't playing Champions League football. Arsenal are not going to be playing Champions League football this season. Is that going to help their cause, Molly? I think it has to, um, particularly because Joe Montemoro really likes to work with a reasonably small squad compared to Manchester City or Chelsea. So therefore, playing in the Champions League probably affected them more in terms of the injuries that they picked up. So I think the signings that they've made as well, yes, they may not be the huge, huge names of Peneo Harder or or the the wages that, or the fee that comes with that, but they have actually made really good signings. Um, Marlin Goot, Steph Catley, you know, they're very good players and they're also players that fit directly into the way that Joe wants to play and they should be able to slot into the, the squad reasonably quickly because of that. So I think you you look at the players that have left as well. Danielle Carter was injured. So it, she sort of wasn't, that's almost them gaining a squad member in a way. So I think, yeah, you definitely can't rule Arsenal out. What about any other teams, Claire? Anybody catching your eye? I think, I, you know, I like the look of Reading. Obviously, Jess Fishlock coming in. She's such a fantastic player. And um, Danielle Carter. Yeah, Danielle Carter. Um, I, I think... Reading, for me, have always been such a tough opposition. I hate playing against them just because they were just so defensively astute. But I think bringing in the players they have done, Daniel Carter is going to come back. She's got a point to prove. Um, I think that <laughs> they also all feel like they underperform. There has to come a time for them where the players they've got, Farrell Williams, you know, the, yes, they, they, their squad is slightly older. And are they bringing in enough kind of youth to back up, uh, you know, their kind of their striking force? But I, for me, that um, I'm excited to watch them. Mm, what about... Everton, they've lost Chloe Kelly, their top scorer last season, to Manchester City. What can Willie Kirk's side do this year? I think they can be really up there and competing and both of the Everton players that that we spoke to um, at the media day were really focusing on that top three and breaking into it. And I think you look at some of the players that they've brought in, Izzy Christensen, Hayley Rasso, they're, they're players that you expect to be at very top clubs. And I think that that's what Willie Kirk has done really well. You look a couple of seasons ago, they were literally at the bottom of the Women's Super League fighting it out for Yeovil as to who might get relegated. And now we're talking about them as top three contenders. And I think that really says a lot for what Willie Kirk has done and the players that he's recruited because they all talk about his philosophy and his way of playing that really attracted them to the club. They've made a statement, haven't they, I think. They've invested and changed their board around, I think, so it's a little bit more female-led and it's, you don't have to go through as many layers, I think, to make decisions. But I think 
they seem to be putting their money where their mouth is. It'd be a little bit more longer term, I think, for them. Mm. But Everton, Everton's got such history. You know, yeah. they, they used to be under Mo Marley. They used to be winning FA Cups and leagues. Um, they'll be up there with Arsenal, so I think they're trying to get back to where they where they were before. Yeah, absolutely. Now, two teams that we saw promoted from the Championship last season really come on fantastically and and be impressive in, in the WSL last season were Manchester United and Spurs. How did they build, Claire, on, on what they did last year, particularly Manchester yeah. United under Casey Stoney? Yeah, I mean, Casey's obviously defensively, she's fantastic. I'm surprised. I know there's been lots of rumours about two American players coming in. I don't know whether that's going to happen or not. Um, but uh, I feel like they 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 have the infrastructure around to bring in them kind of players. I'd be surprised if they don't. You know, you've got you've got Stanford who you build a team around. He's a fantastic player. Um, but for me, I'm actually really interested in, in Tottenham and who who they've brought in. Harrop and Williams, obviously a bit more of a spy, and really really surprised to see Harrop leave. Birmingham, I know that, you know, Birmingham aren't who they used to be, but her leaving and going to Tottenham is a statement of intent from them. And obviously, I think they've signed Alana Kennedy. Um, so, uh, they're, you know, they're an attractive club, Spurs. You, um, you've led me really nicely on to <laughs> that because, you know, with Aston Villa being promoted from the championship, I'm wondering, you know, they're investing. They've obviously brought Anisha Asante in from Chelsea. Um, and, you know, it does seem as if behind the scenes that they're, they're, they're very organised and, and they've got a lot of ambition. Um, are they going to be able to make as much impact as, as Manchester United and, and Spurs did last season, Molly? I think it's actually really exciting for the league that now the team that comes up from the championship, we don't just assume they're going to go back down because they are now able to have that structure, that professionalism that maybe we saw teams before. They'd have to be promoted and then they'd have to get used to that whole structure. Whereas, as you say, Villa uh, are very organised behind the scenes, obviously led by Eni Luko. Um, so I think it, it should be a really exciting, competitive addition Will they do as well as Manchester United? Probably not. But will they be fighting it out for mid-table and, uh, and feel as though they can definitely do that and then build on that in the future? 100%. There's no reason to think why they can't do that. And of course, we have another Midlands... Well, not another Midlands derby. We have another derby to look forward to in a Midlands derby with Aston Villa against against Birmingham. Do you think there's a slight concern from a Birmingham point of view? As you said, you know, traditionally one of the really big uh, women's football clubs and obviously over recent years, you know, they keep losing their big players. Yeah, I it's tough for them losing Harrop, I think. Someone who's been there such a long time, clearly things aren't right there. Um, but, you know, I think Rachel Corsi has come in on loan. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of experience added. Uh, Christy Murray from Liverpool. Um, but other than that, I just don't know if they have kind of the infrastructure that other clubs have. Are they less attractive? What, what's the reason players aren't going there? Mm. Now, what about Brighton? Because is there a slight concern that with an influx of high-profile players to the big clubs it could affect the competitiveness of the league, perhaps, because that's certainly what Brighton boss Hope Powell has suggested. I, th I think it's difficult because, in a way, you do look at players like Pineo Harder coming in and, and those sort of figures that have been banded about, about £300,000 for one player. And you, you know that a large number of teams, not just teams like Brighton, but a large number of teams in the league just aren't going to be able to afford that. But I think... Brighton, Brighton have built well. They have they have a very good coach, experienced coach in Hope Powell, and I think for them they're really building the infrastructure around the team. They're they're building a women's um, women's and girls hub um, at their training ground, 
and that will be right up there with the very best in the country. So I think they're really looking at building to the future, developing young English talent, and I think that may be the way for for teams like Brighton to to eventually compete is is to grow that foundation that helps them to do that. Mm, Brighton's opening game on Sunday is against uh, Birmingham City at home, um, but we kick off the opening uh, game of the FAWSL season is Aston Villa at home at Villa Park to Manchester City, which is going to be fantastic. Rest of the games on Sunday, um, early kickoff: Arsenal against Reading, uh, Bristol City against Everton. We haven't even mentioned Bristol City yet, have we? Gosh, that's that's dreadful. Uh, Tanya Oxby will not forgive me. Um, Tottenham against West Ham as well always a spicy game and then Manchester United against Chelsea on the Sunday and I think there's one more game on the month no there's not is that it is that everything I haven't added it up properly have I in my head I had a sneaky suspicion there was a Monday night game but there is not Uh, so some tasty fixtures uh, that's for sure Uh, right also just to let you know players will be taking the knee this weekend that's been confirmed uh, by director of the women's professional game Kelly Simmons in support of the Black Lives Matter movement as well Uh, right you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 I'm Faker Ruthers we'll hear more from Claire Rafferty and Molly Hudson if you do miss any of this show don't worry you can catch up by downloading and subscribing to our podcast which is available through Apple and Spotify products. Just search TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. Uh, Coming up, big names, sponsors on board. What does this mean for the future of women's football? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. This is Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. 
Thank you, Voice Over Man. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I am Faker Others, and I'm with Chelsea's partnership sales manager and Lewis FC board member Claire Rafferty and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now, plenty of challenges this season, but some positive news as well when it comes to the continued growth of women's football. Many people have been hugely concerned how the global pandemic would affect investment and potentially undo all the hard work done at grassroots level in particular. Aston Villa's new signing Anita Asante, who's also on the board at FIFPRO, the Global Players Union, has given TalkSport her view. As much as we've come a long way, especially in the, like, the financial element of the women's game, um, it, it's not consistent across the board globally or you know, by club um, in, in various leagues around the world. So you know, all of us were concerned, you know, because it wasn't like, if my club's fine, then football's fine. It was like, we all have a part to play in this. We all need each other. Um, so we need to respectfully understand the different challenges uh, for players across different clubs as well, in order to, you know, be able to return safely, first and foremost, but get back and, and, and playing with, with everything in place. Aston Villa's Anita Asante talking to Talk Sport there. Uh, Molly Hudson nodding her head along. Um, speaking after Lyon's Champions League win, UEFA president Alexander Seferin gave some reassurances as well, saying that European football's governing body is determined to put women's football back on the front foot. He said the consequences of COVID-19 will be felt by football for some time, but UEFA's support for women's football is more important than ever for safeguarding the future of the game in Europe. Um, he also confirmed that they've secured the funding needed to implement their time for action strategy over the next four years and that they'll be investing more in the female game than ever before. I saw you nodding along to what Anita had to say there, Molly. Um, how much good news is this, bearing in mind there did, did seem to be quite a lot of, of doomsaying um, in the lockdown period about what this could mean for women's sport? It's really good news and I was nodding along because I think Anita's exactly right when she says that we've come a long way but we can't just rest on our laurels in a way. We can't, we can't just be happy about how far we've come. We know we know how much further we can go and the, the massive potential in women's football. And I think an area that, that probably hasn't been tapped into quite yet is is the financial side, the commercial side. And that's something that we, we do really need to push because ultimately as good as the product now is, we need to, to see that backed up by, by sponsorships and by investments. And I think that's, as I said earlier, that's what we really need to push with all of these big names in the Women's Super League this season. Like, the time is now. It's not next season, the season after. We need it now when we need to really push the league and everything that it has to offer because of a really, really good standard now. Well, it's quite useful that we have someone very commercially minded <laughs> in, with, in with us on Women's Football Weekly uh, this week. Uh, Claire Rafferty, you are Chelsea's Partnerships Sales Manager. Um, there have been some big announcements recently, including uh, PepsiCo announcing a multi-year partnership with UEFA Women's Football running until the summer of 2025. How big is that? Yeah, you know, it's fantastic. But for me, you know, the leagues and competitions, they're bringing in the brands. But it's about this filtering down to the clubs and the teams. You know, why do brands want to sponsor a team in WSL? Why not at the moment? You've got, you know, the world's best players, Ballon d'Or winners, sorry, Ballon d'Or nominees, um, gold medalists. I think the time is now to do that. And, you know, it, for brands, it's, it's a difficult job. 
at Chelsea, we've brought in a women's strategy for the first time. There hasn't been one in place before. So it's been about valuing our assets and actually making sure we're getting brands on board who want to activate them for the best of the game and not just bringing in for, you know, financial reasons. It has to be a bigger picture. Um, and we always say, you know, it's about the actual narrative. You don't really, you know, it's not about the media buy like you traditionally would do for, for uh, a men's team. So it's about filtering down. We haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't think there is any other Mastercard with Arsenal. They're the only uh, women's only sponsor, which is a significant amount. So mm. now with the shirt sponsor, because it's three, isn't yeah. it? Who've come on board with Chelsea, and are they also sponsoring the women's shirts? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, bringing them on board, our CEO Guy Lawrence. Uh, you know, they they were so so involved in the women, so wanted to be you know activating around them, and and that was a massive reason why why you know the partnership you know was was so perfect. Um, and you'll see, you know, in the season moving forward, the amount of activations that they do around the women's team. So watch this space. We'll be bringing in some brands, hopefully. No pressure. <laughs> Not with that record signing fee as well. For, uh, I was going to say, you've got to pay for Pinilla Harder, haven't you? <laughs> Are we seeing a, a bit of a trend? Because we've been talking, you know, particularly after last last year's World Cup, that, you know, there was a lot of talk about which brands were, were getting on board. There were a lot of brands talking the talk but not necessarily walking the walk are we seeing a change particularly bearing in mind there's not that much money around at the moment are people thinking perhaps we can invest yeah. less money but with but the I women's think, game? I think you're spot on there it is that you know why not sponsor women's football women's sport because you know what you're going to get with that is is, is going to be cheaper than you would do with your traditional um, men's sport or men's team and you and you get the, the story that is women's football which is you know we're, we're the best league in the world if, if not now, I don't know when it's going to happen. Mm. And another positive, particularly when you're talking about brands, is the FA um, with their broadcast deal going out to the States and other countries. Can you just explain that to everybody, Molly, about what the FA ha have done for the WSL and where people are going to get to, to, to watch the product? Yeah, so it, it's really exciting news and, and something that I think the FA were really keen to do once they actually obviously all of the games can be can be watched on the FA player at the moment if they don't have a broadcast deal and something that the FA were really keen on is actually displaying that product and then waiting for for those offers to come in from all around the world and it's almost been perfect timing particularly with the Americans coming over that now that there's such a such an interest in our league over there um and I think that's that's something that again we have to capitalize on while those players are here because then you'll see those viewing figures and that just grows grows the the view of the league and then when when you're someone like claire and you're marketing the league and you're marketing clubs they've got such a bigger audience yeah. you're like this is a global makes it league a lot easier now. yeah <laughs> but is there a slight worry though for uh, domestic fans if they're then not going to be able to watch their game on the fa player because it's been sold globally is that is that the case or have i read that completely wrong so currently, if they're say you're say you're an England fan in England, say say you're a Chelsea fan, for example, the games that Chelsea play that are chosen to be either on the BBC Red Button or the BT won't be available on the mm. FA Player. But every other game that isn't broadcast will be. But in normal circumstances, that would be fine. But in COVID nineteen circumstances, when fans are not able to go and watch their teams that could alienate some fans surely 
I'm, yeah. con- I'm confused now. What's going on? So, well, this is the thing. Yeah. So, it's, so, it's, so if you're a fan of, yeah. say, um, Brighton, for example, and you can't go to Brighton to, to watch them at the moment, I mean, we will talk about the test event situation in a second. But if that, for some reason, has been picked by NBC in America to be the, the, the game, how are Brighton fans domestically able to? No, that's fine because it's only the English... It's only the English companies that we're competing with, so it's only BBC and BT in England if you're a Brighton fan in England. If you're a Brighton fan in America, then yes, I understand why. Okay, there we go. Great. Because when I read (laughs) the again, when I read the press release, I was thinking, hold on a minute, what does that what does that mean domestically? Let's talk about those test events because we did see a test event um, held um, in Brighton, two thousand five hundred people turning up for that one. I know Lewis FC. Um, were chosen for a test event as well. Uh, Talk Sports spoke to Manchester City and England captain Steph Horton um, about test events and the importance of keeping fans engaged. With the new signings coming in over various clubs, high-profile players, uh, the fact that all the, the games are going to be televised one way or another, whether it's on BBC, BT or on the FA player, it's, it's fantastic for fans to be able to still connect with us until they're allowed to come and watch us and Obviously, recently, I think Arsenal West Hammer is one of the test events coming up for fans to come and watch. So for us, if it's our league that's been able to use a test event, it just gives us more opportunity to try and get as many fans to come and watch us and to see how good of the quality of the football is. And this is crucial at the moment, isn't it? Steph Horton, the Manchester City and England captain, uh, talking to TalkSport there. But this is really important because, you know, there was so much talk about attendances and growth of attendances and growth of attention on the women's game. That was a big problem when, you know, lockdown happened and now fans are not allowed in grounds. The fact that um, women's football matches have been chosen as test events is a great thing, but is there still a slight concern that there could be a little bit of, of gap between the clubs and the fans again? For me, uh, and we spoke to Kelly Simmons about this this week, and I asked her what it was sort of like for the FA when we spent so long talking about attendances and growth, and now almost this first weekend and, and with the Community Shield, they didn't have to worry about that. And I loved Kelly's answer, and it was like, We've seen empty stadia. You don't need 30,000 fans in a ground every single Women's Super League match to to judge the standard. We know now that, that, that fans don't... The standard doesn't change regardless of how many people are watching. However, of course, getting the fans back is, is massive for the game. And it's, it's sort of picking up that buck and really growing with it. And hopefully what we've seen with these broadcast deals... And, and the way that the league has been promoted this year, more people will want to go out and watch the football, mainly because they just haven't seen any live football. So I think it's really important that, that we do try and capitalise on that. And it, it's, it's so good that women's sport, and particularly football, has been used for test events. Mm, and from a commercial point of view, Claire Rafferty, I mean, not having fans going there, buying the merchandise, particularly when you think of, of the type of people that go to women's football mm. games traditionally, has that caused a dent in any way? I think, you know, that is so small at the moment. It's sort of incremental almost, isn't it? I think what I've been reading, obviously, about West Ham moving to a new stadium, um, Reading are playing at the Majeski. I think the long term, we have to look ahead. You know, saying about Kelly, Kelly saying about the standard, we already knew that anyway. It's the momentum that we can't afford to lose. Um, hopefully, the lack of football will force people. You can't, you, you know, you, I miss going and watching games. And I was fed up of it towards the end. And it almost wants want, want people to buy back in, doesn't it? So commercially, yes, 
but it's almost like a waiting game. It's, we've got this opportunity to build the product now and, and, and hit the ground running when we're, everyone's allowed back in. Yeah, well, hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. Uh, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faker Rothers, Claire Rafferty and Molly Hudson. If you miss any of the show, you can either catch up by downloading the TalkSport app or you can subscribe to our podcast as well, which is available on Apple and Spotify products. Our normal show, by the way, uh, I say normal, our Monday night show, as it always used to be here on TalkSport 2, will be back from 6 until 7 next week. So you can catch us then as well. Well, next up, though, it's not just all about the FAWSL because we're going to be looking ahead to the Lionesses season as they prepare for a swap at the top. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I am Faker Others and I'm with former England Chelsea and West Ham defender Claire Rafferty and the Times football writer Molly Hudson. So, the new season starts on Saturday and that means Women's Football Weekly returns to its regular 6 till 7pm slot every Monday night on TalkSport 2. And we also have a new regular feature that we want you to get involved in. Every week we're going to be picking someone from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on. But what we want you to do is come up with some suggestions of exactly whose story that you'd like to hear. Is there a player, a coach or someone within the game, either past or present, who you'd like to know a little bit more about? If so, tweet me, at Faker Others. Um, we will have an email address for our show soon enough as well, so you'll be able to get in touch with us there, but I'll let you know that on Monday. Let us know your suggestions and we'll see exactly what we can do. Lionesses now because uh, during the break the new England head coach was announced and it is the Netherlands current coach Serena Wiegman. Um, what attributes does Serena Wiegman have Claire Rafferty to bring to the England Lionesses party? Um, compassion, investment in her players from what I can see, the development of her some of her young Dutch players that she brought through. Um, she's you know she's proven and tested. She's a winner. Um, other than that, I don't really know a great deal about her. Uh, she's a bit unknown to me. Obviously, then uh, yeah, a bit different from from who's been recruited before. Still, never we didn't really know what playing style. You know, w- w- was it gonna one game from the other? Mark Sampson, it was very much play to your strengths, and I, I just feel like a bit more tactically astute from Wagman. Mm. Um, but let's see. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because this transition period itself is going to be odd because Phil Neville is still in charge of the Lionesses up until his contract ends in July. We've still had nothing from the FA as to who is going to be taking Team GB to the Olympics. We know it's not going to be Serena Wiegman because she's taking the Netherlands to the Olympics. I mean, this is just a bit of a strange situation. I'll do it. Oh, yeah, there you go. Raph. Raph's on the plane to Tokyo. Had it here first. <laughs> I think it actually takes you a, sort of a, a little bit of a minute to actually get your head around that timeline. Um, I think it is, for me, logically, without any bias towards anyone, I think it just makes sense to keep Phil just because he's there. And he he does have good relationships with the players. And it just feels like, with the way the COVID calendar has played out, it just feels like too late to really get someone in that could have enough of an effect to change their playing style enough from what we already have with Phil. And then whoever it is isn't going to want to invest mm. totally, wholeheartedly Why is into he not it. Taking well, we just don't know yet. But I think part of that reason is potentially that he may take 
a club job and so they can't guarantee it. But what I would really, really like to know is why we haven't been talking about Scotland manager Shelley Kerr and Wales manager Jane Ludlow in the in the mix for, for Team GB. Yeah, I think it, it's a, it is a difficult one because ideally you almost want somebody that has no home nations affiliation at all because then you don't have the problem of well who am I going to take who am like I we pick? did in 2012 I mean, Hope got a lot of criticism didn't she for but there's always, it was basically the England team but there's always the assumption because yeah. everybody well he was Phil Neville supposed to be taking over yeah. and, and doing that that was the whole point home mm. Euros 2021 followed True. by the Olympics it's difficult and I think that that's the problem you know as Claire said we've, we've had the problems in the past with you know the England bias and at the same time, you have to accept that because the English league, where most of the players play, is the best in the world. But then you've got so many of the home nations players playing over here now. And, it, you know, they aren't far from that standard. Some of them, you know, arguably are better. If you look at players like Sophie Ingle, um, whoever gets the job, it's an incredibly difficult job to shorten that squad down for the, I think it's 20 Um that you're allowed to take is just an incredibly difficult job and therefore for me I, I think it makes sense to, to keep Phil. I just want to correct myself by the way on what I said there. I've got so confused with 2021 Euros, 2020 Olympics. It was supposed to be the order of the Olympics in 2020 followed by the home Euros in 2021. It's now the home Euros in 2021 followed by the 2020 Olympics in 2021. That's right. No, 2022. <laughs> See, I've done it. I've confused myself. Your home... <laughs> Olympics 2021, home year. Let's just take it day by day. Oh, <laughs> I uh, take it you're not taken in charge of the uh, GB squad then. <laughs> I, I would suggest that that would be the worst appointment <laughs> in the history of all uh, England management appointments. Um, England management. Team GB, there you go, is another reason as well. I'd be sacked instantly. Uh, what was announced the other day uh, was uh, a game for the Lionesses, a friendly against Germany, October the 27th in uh, Wiesbaden. Uh, what are we expecting, bearing in mind we've not seen them for quite a while? Is it the She Believes Cup was the last time we saw them? You know, what are we expecting? And how is Phil Neville going to manage this transition period, Molly? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this period goes, whether or not Phil is in charge for the Olympics, because it's such a strange one with the fact that the calendar is just so, so packed. I know we laugh on the show the last time we was on, talking about the fact that we've got no women's football. Now we've got women's football coming out of our ears. We've got two <laughs> FA Cups. You know, we've only just had the Champions League. We've got another one coming up. Um, obviously the league, the Continental Cup. And suddenly you're like, oh, hang on a minute. There's an international window and we've got Phil still in charge. So it got seems like it's been slipped in and lack of... A, I don't know how I'd feel as a player knowing that, uh, you know, what are you playing for? Is the selection there? Is, is mm. there some going to be someone who's actually in camp who's going to be taking over we haven't that even isn't announced we haven't even talked about this kind of double yeah. fa cup season thing oh. either i mean bearing in mind this is a season preview <laughs> to slip that up but i'm sure we've missed so much because as molly says there's so yeah. much to to cram in uh, just one final thing i wanted to ask you both which kind of wraps everything up from wsl through to internationals is, is what impact if any of course do you feel the influx of talented foreign players to the WSL is going to have on homegrown talent coming through for England, Claire? It's difficult, isn't it? It's the youth coming through, it's hard enough, you know, even before this this influx. Uh, you'd have to be good enough at the end of the day. But, you know, when, when I was coming through, I was 14 and I was making senior debuts. And that's because of, of almost the, the, the lack of numbers of players. Um, it's going to be a lot harder. I know there's a lot more low knees. 
Um, I think there's a quota being brought in. I don't know ins and outs of it, but the FA do need to make sure that we protect our own um, because this is about lionesses as well and, and invested in England. Yeah, and I can understand the commercial and the brand reasonings behind it, Molly, but, you know, a lot's been talked about, grassroots um, and, and, and progression. We need to protect that as well. Yeah, uh, the the homegrown quota is going to come in next season, but for this season, as in the one that's rapidly approaching, um, that is going to move loans from two players to six players, which means that, in theory, if players are at one of the really big clubs that have brought in, say, Manchester City, um, brought in World Cup winners, they're able to, to have more players on loan, um, which should benefit their game time, which is what the FA have tried to identify. I think... It's difficult. On paper, you look at the be- very best teams, and yes, they're going to include a lot of these foreign players that have come in. But as we've just spoken about, we've got a ridiculous amount of competitions. And um, certainly the managers have already spoken to us about the fact that they need big squads. They need to be able to rotate. So hopefully everyone should still be able to get enough minutes. I think pretty much in this hour-long WSL and Lionesses season special, we've established that it's an exciting time for women's football and this season is going to be absolutely uh, crazy, no doubt. I'm going to get you both very, very quickly to nail your colours to the mast in terms of the WSL as Molly Hudson from The Times puts her head in her hands. I mean, everyone knows who I... I'll get sacked if I don't say Chelsea, but I really do think that the players they brought in the calibre, I'd be disappointed and I think they would have underachieved today. I don't win the treble. Molly, the treble. Yeah, well, wow, I went, wow. I went there. I went, right there. For I went there. Record that, please. <laughs> yeah, now, now you've gone so uh, bold. I don't mind too much. I think um, I think Chelsea are going to score a lot of goals, but actually Manchester City, maybe, with the players they're bringing in, when you look at Lucy Bronze, I know yet to be announced, <laughs> but um, t- just a huge signing and then Roosevelt and Sam Mewis. I mean, wow. Wow, indeed. Great point to leave it on. Claire Rafferty, always an absolute pleasure to have you, particularly in the studio with that glowing tan. Nice Thanks to see you. Thanks for having you. me. Come back again soon. Molly Hudson, thank you very much. Thank you. Right. We're very much looking forward to the season ahead. Pleasure to have both Claire Rafferty and Molly Hudson here on Women's Football Weekly. As I've said before, we are back in our usual time slot on TalkSport 2 on Monday from 6 until 7. I'm going to be joined by West Ham manager Matt Beard, who will talk more about Rachel Daly, no doubt, and that fantastic new stadium move uh, to Dagenham and Redbridge, and journalist Flo Lloyd-Hughes as well. Any questions for us during the week, as ever, send them over to at Others on Twitter. And if you miss any of the show or want to listen back to any of our lockdown specials you can download the women's football weekly podcast on apple and spotify products women's football weekly with faker others hi i'm jordan Nobbs, and you're listening to women's football weekly on Talksport 2 hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.